Welcome to Garage Cast. This is episode two of season five. Five, dude. We're gonna we're gonna talk point six through ten of the culture of your dealership, but five seasons of this. Blow hard. What do you think of that? Yeah. <laughs> That's right. We should uh I think we should get some sponsorships or something going. Don't you? Call us up. Yeah, <laughs> calls. Who wants to who wants to spend some big Really, all it takes is motorcycles, you know, motorcycles, side by sides, a boat. I Just mean, a slow drip of toys. Would be fine. We're going to do our best to get new thinking out there. There's going to be discussions centered around growth and new thinking. That's where those great ideas come from, exploring them together. Nuggets that you can go back and put into your dealership that'll help you make more money. This, this is GarageCast. week on on episode one of culture um we talked about five different things number one was what does your dealership look like number two was are you a proactive or reactive dealership Uh, number three was who works for you number four is do you use or simply pay for your crm and number five was what type of service work do you do which is you know again that reactive proactive thing And and we talked at length about these we're going to get right into the next five, starting off with number six. Sam, why don't you hit us with uh, with number six? Yeah, um, attachment rate or accessories to vehicle. We want to know what your attachment rate is for your P&A and your pro shop. Like what? how many units go home with stuff on them that was caused from the pro shop or the P&A department? Not because the customer went over there and added some stuff themselves, but the proactiveness, getting back to that topic from last week's episode, to get your staff involved in engagement. You know, it's that handover to the parts department. I don't care how it happens. You can call it a ticketed ride. You can call it a passport. But what are we doing to ensure that we're maximizing the parts and accessories to the vehicle in that department before that unit goes home? So in my opinion, this one, and and why we wrote this down is, you know, attachment rate. How, how many parts and accessories are you getting onto a unit at the time of sale? whether that's a, a boat, whether that's Harley Davidson, whether that's a side-by-side or a dirt bike, how many parts and accessories you get on there? Because in our opinion, this is the least manner in which I can judge those departments because yeah, explain, of this. Yeah, go, go deeper. Yeah, right? yeah, I'm going to. So if you're not getting a high attachment rate when somebody is over the moon, right? I just bought a $200,000 boat. I just bought a forty, fifty, sixty thousand dollars CVO. I just laid down forty to fifty thousand dollars for a side by side. My endorphins are shooting out of the roof right now, and I've already proven to you that I am equal to the task of spending all the money. Right? This is one of the better days of my life. Uh, I, I've said this in in my trainings for years. You are participating in one of the best three or four days of a human being's life. You know, you, you, you get to buy a, a, a house, then you have to buy a car. It's one of the largest purchases somebody's going to buy and you're participating in it. If you cannot walk them over with a good dealership tour to a parts or pro shop, hand them over to a professional salesperson that is like, Hey, Sam, 
oh my God, that is a fantastic boat, motorcycle, side by side. Let's like start from zero here. I know you've been talking to the salesperson over here, but I I just got to know, where's your first ride going to be? What are you going to do with this thing? Who's the first person you're going to show it to? You know, I see the kids over there jumping all over this thing. You, I'm sure you're going to be spending a great summer with them, right? If you cannot close parts and accessory sales at that moment, you suck badly, <laughs> which then good. tells me which then tells me when I walk in with no endorphins out of the street, you know, the, the, uh, the, the, the side-by-side, the motorcycle, the boat is at home. Okay. It's two years old and I'm coming to look for a widget. I know for a fact that you're not going to do anything better than you did when I bought the thing on my best day. So what I'm saying is why it's the least, <laughs> the least manner which we can judge your department is, if your attachment rate is low at the time of purchase of a major unit, I can tell you, so goes the rest of your department the rest of the year. Yeah, that makes sense. The easiest possible time. You know, it's, it's the equivalent of shooting fish in a barrel as opposed to like going out with one fish, one piece of bait and one line. You get one cast and maybe we'll, maybe we'll catch a fish. It's so easy the day of the purchase or it should be. You know, Tony, you gave one example of if you're not maximizing that attachment rate the day of, then you suck. Well, there's one other piece going on. We have to get in front of that sale because a stereotypical salesperson will tell you that time kills deals. And I think for a lot of reasons, time does kill deals. But if you're worried as a salesperson that if I turn the sale over to Cindy in the parts department, that that deal may get lost because Cindy is going to be so excited that the person's getting a new boat that she's going to put them in touch with a whole bunch of stuff that makes the boating experience better. How can you possibly think the deal will get lost unless you never had a relationship with them in the first place unless there isn't anything solid that we're turning over to Cindy other than a customer and a boat. So I, I always go back to what is the relationship you have? Because if you had the relationship, I should be able to walk you through every department, tell you to hang out and just spend the whole day with me. You're buying something you've always wanted. So yeah, it's a, it's a good measure. It's a good litmus test for the enthusiasm or the intensity, if you will, of that department. We're not venturing away from this topic. So we're talking attachment rate, which then leads me into the parts department still. So we're still on number six, which is we're, we're talking those line items and dollars per ticket. Again, how good is your department in suggesting other things besides what the customer came in for? And quite frankly, it goes back to that shoe analogy. I don't know if it's Neiman's or Macy's, which is I don't commission you on the first pair of shoes. That's my sale. I commission you on the second and third because that's your sale is what are you doing now? Now, a lot of people turn to me and say, that's just making me into a, into a pushy salesperson. And I say to them, well, you're looking through the funnel the wrong way. You're assuming that you don't have anything better to say other than do you want it? I want you to say, man, again, Sam, I noticed that you're taking this helmet or these boots or, or, or that type of tower to go ski or, or surf with, whatever that might be is, let's get a little deeper in here. What exactly do you like to do with your machine and start talking to them? And then what I'm looking for you to do is I'm not looking for a pushy salesperson. I'm looking for an educated expert to say, Sam, I got to tell you, I see a lot of people take these things and they're unhappy with them. This thing over here matched with this thing right here is probably the best reason, the best thing you can take. And here's why. So I'm looking for professionalism in the parts department. And anybody knows me knows that like, they know that this is my thing. You want to get me upset? Let's start talking about parts and pro shop and, and, and how much better we can be. And, and for all of you hardworking parts and pro shop people out there, 
well, I guess I am kind of calling out the departments, but it's, it's not personal. I just want to make you guys better. To me, it is personal, Tony, because I'm the guy that goes home without the cool thing. I, I, I'm the guy that goes home without the thing for my new motorcycle that I could, that could have bettered the experience because I didn't know it existed. And, and that doesn't sound like pushy sales to me. That sounds like somebody saying, hey, while you're here, you probably didn't even know that they have these new visors for your helmet that change. They transition in the light just like your glasses transition in the light. No, I totally didn't know that. Instead of running a clear visor or a tinted visor, I can run one that does both things. Thank you so much for pointing that out for me. That isn't pushy sales. That's just educating the customer. That, that's the art of selling, depending on how it comes across as well. Last part of part six, yeah. last bullet point is how often do you contact your customers? And your, your parts department will say, this is cultural. Your, your parts departments can say, dude, I'm on the phone all the time. Okay, doing what? Telling my customer to come you know, pick their shit up. That's no, right. hey, your, your thing's in. You know, come get your thing. We're here. Hey, when I, you I are. Want, yeah, we're here. Let, let me know. I close at six, right? That, that's not contacting your customer. That's order taking, right? I want to know, this goes back to last week's episode in the service department or even in your sales department. How often do you pick up the phone and call Sam up and say, hey, Sam, just wanted to let you know my whole line of this came in today. You're one of my favorite customers. I know you buy a lot of stuff here. I just want to give you a crack at coming to take a peek at it first. How's the wife and kids, right? How's the work? How's what? Whatever that is. You, are you off the road? Are you still traveling? I want proactive selling in the parts department. I want proactive communication and content put in the CRM system from the pro and parts department. And there is no reason why you can't be doing it. I got a new phrase for you, Tony. You're going to love mm. this phrase. For everybody out there, I want you to write this down. Who is chasing who? Who is chasing who or whom, if you want to be grammatically correct, who, who's going after who? Is it me, this, the, the customer saying, hey, man, do they make something for this over here? Is there another bracket that I could buy for my phone? Is there another way I could power up my GPS instead of putting it, you know, running it under my tank or something like that? If I'm chasing you, you're doing it wrong. You need to be chasing me. And I think that really defines the difference. If, if you're calling me to tell me the order is in that I called you to have you order for me. You are a clerk. And it really goes back to salespeople, Tony. We want salespeople in the, in the service department. We want salespeople in the P&A and pro shop. And we also obviously want salespeople on the showroom floor. I don't want clerks. I want salespeople. And for proactively driving these departments, there are a lot of sales that we can make while simultaneously making the customer experience better for everybody who's participating in all these toys. Absolutely. So that is number six, attachment rate, line items per ticket, dollars per ticket, accessories, the vehicle in the parts department. It all goes back to owners out there. Ask yourself what your culture is in your dealership. All this is cultural. If you're not getting a lot of accessories to vehicle and all you can say back in your 20 club is, yeah, we just don't do it well. Okay. Well, you, that's the culture of your dealership is we're a C minus. We know it. We're good with that. I'm fine with it. So ask yourself what you want your culture to be. You want a good dealership tour. You want your parts department being proactive. You want them to be equal to the task of matching the enthusiasm of one of the best days of the lives of a customer buying a major unit when they walk into the parts department or the pro shop. Think about that. Well, Tony, I, let's not forget that you're going to have the sales manager or the parts manager say, well, there was no room on the deal to put the parts. We, could, we didn't get the sale because they were tapped out on the financing. There was no room on the deal. And I'm just like, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Because whereas there is a small percentage of people that are so tapped out on the deal that they can't 
do anything in addition to that. Did you ask him to pull out a credit card? Like, I, here's the helmet I really want. It's $1,200. And here's the HJC over here that's $99. The $99 fits in there. Well, I had to sell him the one that fit in there. Did you ask him to come out of pocket to get the helmet he really wants? Because it is his head, mind you. It is his head. He might want to go ahead and spend some more money and pull out the damn credit card to protect his head. So these are toys. We don't need any of it, but give us the chance to say yes to it, independent of what's able to be put into the deal or not. What you just said pisses me off because I'll have a lot of owners and 20 clubs go, yeah, well, we will understand how they look on paper. So we'll either highlight their name in green as in shoot for the moon, yellow as in be careful and red as in, you know, they're not buying shit here on this deal, right? That, that right. Or F and I will, will already call the other departments and let them know, don't mess up my deal. And I'm like, okay, good. Well, no wonder you have horrible sales after the sale. It's because you're telling the other departments, this guy sucks. He's not going to buy anything. Just go through the motions. I want there to be this level of enthusiasm that this dude is looking for cash uh, and coins in in his sofa. He's calling his his friends to borrow money. He's using those quick uh, Revo accounts that you can get in the form of a card at the parts. Whatever. Sell. Get well. Give him a chance to say no. Is what you're saying. Give the customer a chance to say no. Here, here's all the stuff you may not know even exists. I just want to share it with you. Oh, and by the way, Tony, we can go ahead and put this on a list for you. So when the holiday season comes up, we've got a gift registry for you here. Like it's just, it, again, there's a million ways to do this, but it's the culture that we're talking about. Yep. Credit card, cash, layaway, consign, whatever it might be, dude. I get it. So how about this? I'm going to ask you this and see if I can cue you up with, does your dealership treat your customers the way that your favorite company or brand treats you? I, I can think of many examples. Do, do you have any examples, Sam, that, that you could spit out? Yeah, Tony, this just happened uh, over the break here because the heater in our downstairs uh, went out and we have people staying with us. And so we had to get the heat fixed. So we have an electrical company that we called Good Guys Heating and Air Conditioning. Right. And it's weird to say that Good Guys is my favorite company. But let me tell you something, man. They're on point. They're responsive. There's a human being that calls you back. They call you back when they say they're going to call you back, even if the answer is I still haven't nailed down the driver on a time yet. I just wanted to let you know that I'm working on it. I'm going to get right back to you. And here's the cool thing. When they do nail down the time, here's the window of time. And by the way, the window is 60 minutes. It's not four hours like your cable company. Then there's a picture of here's Jonathan. Jonathan will be your service technician. He is arriving between this 60 minute window. Please be prepared that he's going to put down stuff to protect your floor so that he's not damaging your floor on the way in the door. And that may take him about five or 10 minutes right when he gets there. For me to not be home and know that my wife knows the picture of the dude who's coming to the house and he's super excited and he's like, ma'am, let me just put down this protective stuff because I don't want to track up your stairs on the way down. Yeah, that's pretty freaking cool. I have an example and I'm, I'm, I'm not going to apologize that it's not retail that I'm talking about, but I'm going to just tell you about this company and how they treat me. And that is OGO. OGO backpack is what I use to travel with. And I've been using them and, and tons of dealers have them. You see them all over the, t- all over the place at 20 clubs, but I use this type of backpack. I've been using it for about, I don't know, almost 10 years now. I've had five of the backpacks. They're made pretty well, but again, you and me both, we war horse a lot. So these things get used often. Yeah. So I've bought one of them, just one 10 years ago. 
And anytime a zipper breaks, uh, something pulls off, a tab falls off, fraying of the material. The, the first time this happened, I, I wrote to him like, hey, I just want to let you know. And it's an expensive backpack. You know, I buck, buck 40, buck 70 for this backpack. And I wrote the company like, hey, I just want to let you know that this zipper was broken or whatever, whatever that might be. And uh, the guy was like, okay, that, that sounds good. And, and you're always preparing for the fight, right? You're going to fight these companies like, okay, what's this guy going to say? He's like, I'm going to send you a box right now. I want you to go online and I want you to pick out your new backpack. I said, okay. He goes, in the new box will be the backpack. There'll be a shipping label. Put the old backpack in. He goes, slap it on there. He goes, last but not least, I'm going to send you the survey. And that's how you get the free backpack is you really have to, in earnest, go in and tell us what's great, what's wrong, what broke. Feedback, right? This has happened now five times. That's- Again, a zipper breaks, something tears, whatever. I mean, it's their, their use. The company has real people that are calling you. They solve your problem. They're like, oh, I'm so sorry to hear that. We're going to have one out to you today. Go pick it. Let us know. Here's how you ship it back and blah, 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 blah. After I get it and they get their survey back, somebody calls me to thank me and say, we really appreciate your feedback. This helps make the backpacks better. My point to this as it relates to a power sports or a marine dealership is this. I hear so much from so many customers that are in the industry, friends of mine, they're like, Oh yeah, I do, I do business here or there that it's like, nobody ever calls me service parts, sales. Like, unless I'm saying I'm buying this really expensive unit, he goes, that's the only time somebody will call me. And it's even spotty then. Right. But nobody's reaching out and saying, Hey, here's what's happening. Just wanted to let you know, your unit is up on the lift. We're fixing it. Probably be a couple of days. I'll make sure that I keep you in the loop via text, via phone call, whatever it's, it's all about communication and it's you becoming a brand as in your store is a brand that promotes yep. a culture of you're part of this culture and we treat you as you're part of our family. Well, so put those two together, right? If you're coming to pick up my vehicle at my house, a picture of the driver would be super helpful. As silly as that may sound, it takes no time, right? That's easy. And then if I have a problem with the, the vehicle, Hey, we're, we're going to replace that thing. We're going to get it fixed, whatever happens to be. We would really appreciate some honest feedback from you so we can make our product better. Here's the survey. And this activates the getting the whole thing started, getting the whole process started. Okay. I like all that. It's fun. I'm laughing over here because I've had, you know, I travel with Ogio bags as well. Not backpacks. My actual, my actual bag with my clothing in it has been Ogio. And it's been, that one bag has been replaced three different times. I also have multiple different colors of that exact same bag in the basement. <laughs> Should I need it? Because it's it's such a great company. They just handle it. They make great product. Their customer service is beyond anything that I've ever... And there are no questions. It is none of this like, where did this happen? What did you do? Explain further. It's not designed either. They're just like, okay, we're going to send you a new one out, but you got to fill out the survey. Another one really quick before we move on is, you know, I live in Steamboat Springs, which is three hours away from any good um, electronics store. So... Um, uh, bought some stuff through Best Buy. And uh, again, I'm promoting it not because I encourage you buying online. I, I don't like to shop online. If, if I had a place to go that was quick, I would, I would go there and get it. But the level that they have gotten into to ensure that if you're not going to come into my store, I'm going to capture your business online is absurd, man. The shopping experience is easy. The tracking of packages, the add-ons, the upsells, the communication, once it's delivered, I mean, it's like, it's instantaneous. And I'm, I'm just suggesting, all we're asking is 
throw out a few more texts to your customers, whether you're communication. That's all we're asking. Yeah. Commo, man, make your dealership a culture of outward proactive communication. I'm going to get ahead of the service customer and tell them, Sam, I know we're getting towards the day I told you that you'd get your bike back, but man, we're finding a couple other things here. It's probably going to be boom. It's just communication. And that goes a long way. So that's number seven. But it's a great question to ask, right? Does your dealership treat your customers the way their favorite company or brand treats you? Mm-hmm. Ask, ask that of your staff. Do you, do you, Sally, treat your cust- our customers coming in the door the way whatever your favorite company is treats you? I'd like an honest answer. Sit with it at the end of the day, and I'll check back in with you. I would encourage also, I would also encourage a anybody listening to this is just go out and buy two items that you're going to go to a local store, go buy them online through Best Buy and just go through the process of how they communicate during uh, the purchase, the delivery, all that stuff. It's, it's like I was getting emails and text messages all day, every day about these stuff I ordered. So number eight, this one's a weird one, dude, hit them with number eight, but there, there's a means to an end in where I'm going with this and, and what you and I have come up with. How often do you talk to your lot tech delivery driver and what do they say let's be honest we we look at our lot techs our hydro techs our delivery guys or gals or those that are in the trenches out there on the front lines you know hoisting units onto flatbeds or taking deliveries whatever it might be we look at those sometimes as just a lesser uh, part of your team but i'm telling you that person knows the culture and knows everything that is going on inside that dealership. It's like they are the epicenter. Them and your controller seem to know everything that is going on in the dealership. And I want you to talk to them about, hey, you know, what are the customers saying? Are they, do you encounter happy customers when you take the bike from the service department and you go to strap it up on a truck or a trailer, or you take the boat and you go here, what are, what, what is the, what do the customers feel like? Do you, do you think customers are happy with us? Are they happy to do business with us? Do they like our salespeople? Do they like me? Do they like the name? Like your lot tech delivery, hydro tech, whoever they are, man, they know what's going on with customers. In fact, nobody knows better than the than that lot tech yep uh, ch- checking yeah. in with them I'm, I'm talking to whenever i get you know whenever faye myers is out of my house picking up a bike or dropping off a bike i'm always chatting it up with those guys they know exactly how i feel about the company and the products that i have and their response time and whatever it happens it's a great point and it's often missed it's it's often an oversight that we don't check in with porters and delivery drivers on that yeah we we talk to the managers most and we'll talk to the frontline sales staff, most the technicians, sometimes if they'll talk to us, we rarely take the lot tech, hydro tech delivery person out to lunch and just be like, Hey man, A, I want to thank you for the hard work that you do. And B, I just want to talk to you about what could I do better? And you, they'll, they'll look at you like, what the hell are you talking about? Why are you asking me this? The, the lot tech at Stemo Power Sports is I, I have continuously said this to the owners here is the greatest guy in the dealership. He's the dude that just is having a great day. He's happy to be on a forklift. He knows everything that's happening, man. He knows everything. He may not pass a drug test, but he knows everything that's <laughs> happening to that dealership. You know what I mean? All right, dude, this next question has to do with uh, really number three back yes or the last week when we did the staffing component to it, but there's one person on the staff that you think they should talk to right out of the gate. Who is that? That is your longest standing employee. I would ask you to 
sit back when, when you just let that resonate, who is your longest standing employee? If it is your brother. Okay. Why? Why is your brother your longest standing employee? It is my nephew. Okay. Why? It is, it's Bob. Bob's been with us for 38 years. Okay, cool. Why? It's the why that I'm interested in. If it is because he's blood, uh, legally, I can't fire them. She works for me because she's married to my brother. Bob has been with us since my dad started the operation and he's untouchable. If any of those things are coming out of your mouth from your longest standing employee, I would ask you, I'm not saying go fire them. (laughs) I'm asking you what kind of culture you want in your store because that kind of shit plays, whether you think this or not, I promise you, your staff knows and they, they create a culture of, well, I have to do my job the way that I'm told. Everybody else that's family, they don't have to do shit that they're told, right? So who's your longest standing employee? We talk about hired versus sired, right? Mm-hmm. Is that person your sales manager because he has the same last name as the owner? Or he's the sales manager because he's the best person qualified for the job. And you're right. Um, when you have somebody on the staff who's been there longest, and it's because of all the wrong reasons, the entire staff knows why that person is still working there, as opposed to the one who's just grateful to be able to work in this industry. It's a great point. Yeah. If you're answering the question because, if you're answering the question because Sharon is our longest standing employee, mm. and Sharon, would get out of bed on Christmas morning at three o'clock and take a call from a dealer that needs help in putting their numbers to make sure their composite is ready for somebody. And it doesn't matter because they're not going to show them for two weeks, but I'm working on it right now. Sharon's your person. Sharon is our longest standing employee because she loves our dealers. I, I think more than any human being loves our dealers. Sharon loves them. She's our longest standing employee because she picks up the phone and she solves problems. Now, Sharon, my girl, <laughs> Sharon, she's, she's unique. We love Sharon for all the reasons that we love Sharon, but that's why Sharon's our longest standing employee. That's why she is, is with us. Now, if you can say those kind of things about Bob or your sister-in-law or your nephew, you know, my nephew, I could throw him the keys and he is here no matter what, and he holds people like, then that's the right reason, right? But your longest standing employees, I I hear more often than not, Sam, again, non-scientific, 70, 30, 70% of your longest standing employees are a pain in the ass. They are there sucking you dry. They don't fall into the culture. They have no new way of thinking. They are there because they can't retire or they'll die. They need healthcare, whatever it might be. I typically hear more negative than positive about my longest standing employee. And I just ask you, what do you want your culture to be? Well, and surprise, surprise, nine times out of 10, they're on a guarantee as opposed to some incentive-based pay plan. They're just there doing the job because it's easier. All right. That's a big one. That's a big one. And number 10 is even a bigger one. Why don't you hit them with that one? Are you still in business because you are an enthusiast or because it pays the bills? Now, there's no wrong answer to that. And, and we do have owners, dude, right? We, we have owners that are like, I don't even know how to ride a motorcycle. I don't ride motorcycles. I don't necessarily even like motorcycles, but they have a culture within their store of riders and enthusiasm and people that take that on. I'm talking about 
sometime in the seventies or eighties, there you were riding dirt bikes, drinking beer, smoking weed with your buddies. Uh, and you're like, you know what? I have a great idea. I'm going to open up a motorcycle dealership so that I can get all the cool stuff and, and just live out my passion and get all then my bikes you, paid for is really what, <laughs> yeah, right? So I can get my toys paid yeah. for by somebody else. And then you grew up, you stopped smoking weed, uh, you got <laughs> married, you had some kids, you you got professional, you started getting some commas and some zeros and some figures in the bank, and all of a sudden, you know, we've grown older and we, we don't love to be out doing the stuff. And my point is, what's the culture of your dealership? If the culture of your dealership is not that me as a consumer, I'm going there to go ride with them or I see them on Sundays doing the thing that they do. They're on the water. They're sponsoring all the cool stuff. They're cooking burgers at the race. They're pulling people out of the mountains that break their sleds because that's just what they do. That's culture that I want to be a part of. And if you can't provide that as an owner, doesn't mean you need to go away. You need to start building a culture that screams we are part enthusiast in this in this community. We're part of your community. I got a buddy who works at one of the one water stores. His name is John McCroskey, and John goes fishing all the time. And invariably, he will send me pictures of his the floor of the boat with just fish every, just everywhere. He the guy just absolutely slays it. We were asking him like, what's the greatest thing he does for his customers? He said the the greatest thing I could do for them is take them out on a day of fishing. I just take them out fishing, right? And the organic referrals that come flying in, the fact that they never leave him because you're out on the boat, you're getting to know your customers, and like literally living the product is what we're getting at here. Living the experience of the products and the toys that we offer and how they fundamentally change people's lives. So I, I would say, Tony, to your point of having owners who don't ride and don't know how to ride and don't even care about motorcycles, that is a fraction of a small percentage. It is a minute percentage of people. Most of the people we have either grew up riding or they got into it later in life, but they still do it right now. There are a couple that gave up on it because now, now it's just a business to them. And I, I would hope they'd reconnect with it sometime. But as a customer who goes into motorcycle shops all the time, not as a consultant, but as a customer, it's palpable. You can feel it when the staff is on fire. Like, I can't believe I get to work here and I get to play with all these toys. You just feel it right when you walk in the door. So I think it's a great question to ask. Are you still in business because you're an enthusiast or simply because it pays the bills? My hope is it's both. Let's wrap this up. The point of this is this. We came out of COVID. 2023 was a reconciliation of, hey, we got to start selling because they're no longer just buying, right? And we, we've talked about, you know, the staff is, is green and customers this and, and interest rates that. And, and where we started last week with the intro to this was there's dealerships that have a culture that is bulletproof. And they just simply are, are, they are going along without even a blip in the radar. And it's awesome to see them succeed in both markets. And we're telling you, go back and audit your culture. Go back and audit your culture. Tony's talking about they're just moving right along like it's a blip on the radar. And, and it's not that they're not experiencing the same outside factors that the average dealer is experiencing. Is that they're just better equipped to handle it. They're going to control what they can control, and they have enough systems to push right through some of that. And maybe their margins are going to come down, and maybe their inventory is going to stack up, their flooring is going to get a little big, and they're going to move right through it because they have the mindset of this is what we do. We love doing it, and there's going to be another customer coming through the door. So the culture is there. The proactivity is there. And Tony, I, I just go back to what we talked about in the first round, which was 
your ESI, your employee satisfaction fuels your CSI. So when your team is on board and having an awesome time, it makes it that much more engaging for the customer to come in the door, no matter what the damn interest rates happen to be. I'm going to end this episode with a, a quote that I use in, in a master's thesis in my master's program. And that is this unexpected events often audit our resolve. Unexpected events often audit our resolve. What that says is things that change. We're expecting this thing to go forward. And all of a sudden things took a right turn. And this is, this is fire department, military police culture is unexpected events audit our resolve is how quickly can you change when something doesn't go as you expect it? Unexpected events audit our resolve. What does your culture say about your dealership? With that said, for Sam Dantzler, I'm Tony Gonzalez. This has been GarageCast. Hope you guys have a fantastic Tuesday. 2024, here we go, gang. Here we go.